Maybe he was smiling. But he wasn't touching her or anything. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't cheat on you if that's what you're worried about. What did you say? I'm sure he wouldn't cheat on you. You two are together, aren't you? I thought... Well, you thought wrong. Our relationship is a spiritual one. <laughs> oh, well, maybe it's just after a bit of fun. No harm in that, is there? The Guardian is not interested in a bit of fun. He doesn't have those kinds of thoughts. <sighs> yeah, well, he's still a guy, isn't he? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Are you contradicting me? <sighs> no, yeah. I just... Can't see what all the fuss is about. It is not your place to see. You are a servant. You don't make disgusting comments like that about the people above you. So welcome to Series 3, Episode 14 of Conversational League of Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. And Sabine. Hi. We have episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 3, Episode 14... The screenplay was done by Charles Hodges. It was directed by Janet Stubbins. And the episode synopsis were read out by Sabine. The captured mole rats start distributing their resistance leaflets, but are unprepared for the consequences. Ebony asks Pride to speak to Bray in order to clear the bad feeling in the rebel camp, while Trudy finds out about Tysan's visits to the Guardian and takes drastic action. Yes, she does. <laughs> <sighs> in a red outfit again, seriously. <laughs> she looks good in red. I know, but she wore red when she slept with Zood. <laughs> and now she's wearing red. I mean, if you're going to seduce someone, like... It's the color you go with. <laughs> it's the color. <laughs> yeah. It's the color of passion and regret, man. I mean, maybe they don't want to draw any attention to themselves. Yeah. Maybe they just want people to find the leaflets. But that's stupid. What's the point in a resistance group if you can't contact them? Under the watchful eye of the chosen guards at the farm, the Morats decide to hide the leaflets for people to find so that anyone caught with one can't reveal where they came from. But when an oblivious KC finds one and wants to contact the resistance group responsible, they realise that they actually don't have a plan beyond the leaflets themselves. So yeah, panel, we did actually discuss this in the previous podcast. Um, Alice and Ellie don't seem to have any plan beyond printing out these ultimately meaningless leaflets. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about their continued short-sightedness? How can they be so stupid? Honestly, it's this is what they get for not trusting Casey from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Because I can assure you, that kid would have had a plan. He actually thinks it's true. Okay, leaflets, so let's contact them. How do we contact them? He would have mentioned that if they bothered to involve him. Yeah. I, I don't understand how the 11-year-old kids are, have more critical thinking skills than these older kids. I don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're complete idiots. Not only did they not think out, like, what's the point of having resistant letters? Again, like you said, they're pretty meaningless. There's no point to them other than, oh, okay, the chosen are bad. Yeah, we already know that. Most, you know, and Casey has to point out to them that the point of a resistance and the point of putting out propaganda is so that the people who find them can get in touch with the resistance and join the resistance. It's advertising. Mm. And they're like, oh, like, oh my gosh, idiots. (sighs) The the only thing I can think of what crossed their mind was, oh, let's you know, spread hope this way. 
just lure people into a false sense of, oh, there's others like us out there, so we're not alone. That's all those leaflets are going to reach. You know, letting people think that there's others suffering like them. But that doesn't fix anything unless you can contact the others. I I don't get it. I, I have no excuse for it. I just, I'm so disappointed in them. I don't mind a mall rat internal resistance failing. That's fine. It can fail. But I don't want it to fail because these guys are just morons. I want it to fail yeah. because the chosen are formidable, you know? Yeah. I, I want to see them put effort into their resistance. And you know what really pisses me off <laughs> is that the people who make the most progress in the resistance, like fighting the chosen their way, are the ones that our more moralistic characters keep criticizing. So it's like May mm -hmm. and Tyson and KC who actually make the most headway in their forms of resistance than like mm -hmm. Alice and Ellie and Ryan who are just like, no, we're really, we're good people. We're better than everybody else because we're true mall rats and we're, you're going to stay the cause and sacrifice everything. But it's like, what the frick did any of you accomplish? Nothing. Mm. And how on earth, you know, especially Ellie, I mean, come on, that girl was supposed to have slightly more brains than this. I mean, if, if this had been a leaflet made by the kids, sure. If it had been just Ryan on his own, sure. I could have, you know, forgiven the he didn't think about how they would contact him part. But Ellie and Alice? Yeah, I mean, I mean you're right. It's kind of a bit even worse for Ellie because she did the amulet and they put out <laughs> yeah. the news stories so that they had to be contacted to get the news about the antidote and the virus. Like, so she should know. <laughs> like a basic instinct is like, okay, yeah. So we need some way for them to contact us. <laughs> but does no one has at, this for? <laughs> at, at, at times, I wonder if her brains left with Jack. Pretty much. It's... I mean, we won't even get into where they place the leaflets, but oh it's just, my God. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It just makes them I look mean, silly. And it, in yeah. a set, but between the potatoes, that's one thing. Because <laughs> oh, at least there was a chance that they would get somewhere. Although, what if that food is actually ending up with the, with the other slaves? Yeah, it might get to other slaves when they're peeling potatoes for the chosen, sure. But those would be slaves just as much as they are. Heck, that bag of potatoes would have ended up with Celine. <laughs> I mean, the leaflets would make more sense if they were, uh, the whole purpose was trying to contact the known rebels, the ones they know exist. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get the rebels to communicate with them. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. you know, you know, just discreet messages. And let's say like Lex or somebody in the Gaians found it and realized they're trying to communicate with us. We can leave messages for them. We could find a way to get information back and forth to each other, mm -hmm. you know, that we could use to take out the Chosen because they're literally inside. They could be our inside spies since they're already there. But as they are, they're pointless. <laughs> it would have made more sense if they would have given that little stack of leaflets to the person who got them the computer parts. Because clearly they know how to get places. I just, uh, mm. It's so... It's mediocre. Like, I'm just... I'm beyond disappointed. Like, I've lost respect. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, yeah. I absolutely have, yeah. <laughs> and, like, the fact that Casey points out this obvious issue and mm -hmm. not, they still don't want to include him even though he's obviously a lot smarter <laughs> and has more sense <laughs> oh, maybe that's why they don't want to include him 
they're still like, okay, well, well, <laughs> because he would yeah. go, how could you be this dumb? Like, they don't want to work with the people that they're looking down on. Oh, Casey can't mm-hmm. be trusted. Uh, Tyshan, oh, I still have problems with her because she slept with a guy I had a thing for. Oh, May. She married him. <laughs> and it's like, these are the only ones who are actually being proactive in their resistance and actually trying to get something done. And they're the only ones that actually kind of accomplish something. All you guys do is throw other people under the bus. That's all your mm-hmm. resistance accomplishes. Literally. I, I would hate for them to use Patsy for this, but even Patsy goes outside to more places than they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just hate it. Poor Jack. He'd be so embarrassed for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. As I said, it's like all her brain cells left for Jack. I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if like Alice and Ellie hadn't been shown to be more intuitive and intelligent than this. What's wrong with you guys? I get that you can't accomplish your goals. I understand that. But why is the writing making you so dumb? Mm, that's what I think really annoys me. Yeah. Why do you have to make them so dumb to fail? They don't have to be that <laughs> dumb to fail. I guess it's easier to make them dumb than make the chosen more competent. <laughs> but this way is worse all around. Like, they look dumb. The chosen looks dumb. <laughs> That's true. (laughs) You being this, you failing is even worse. (laughs) Very good, Selene. Thank you. You're doing very well. In fact, I'm thinking of recommending you for one of the special circles. Uh, I, I don't think I'm ready for that. What's wrong? You should be pleased. Oh, I am. It's just... Things aren't so great between me and Ryan at the moment, and it might be better if we waited until he's a bit more comfortable with all of this. I see. Celine is upset when Ryan refuses to change into a shirt that she has cleaned for him, unaware that he's trying to hide these resistant leaflets from her. Later, when Luke tells Celine that she's ready to join one of the circles, she is concerned about how this will affect her relationship with Ryan, and wants to wait until he's more receptive to the idea. I mean, yeah, panel, does anyone care about Celine's position here? I'm going to try and be fair here. Um, Part of me feels bad for her sometimes. Another part of me is like, I I don't care. You brought this on yourself, you know? The part of me that's trying to care is I do see somebody who, again, I don't begrudge any of these kids for joining the Chosen, okay? So I don't think it's like, oh, Celine's you're a terrible person for joining the Chosen. You're a terrible person for a lot of other things, not for this. Um, and so I see her trying to struggle with this, trying to do the dance between keeping her marriage working and also trying to keep her and her child safe and taking the path of least resistance. And I do feel bad for her there, you know, but it's like, the problem is I know what Celine was like before and how she's treated Ryan and how she's destroyed any trust he can have in her whatsoever. You know, he gave her one last chance to be honest with him when he was asking about the baby. And she ruined it. And so when, you know, he, when she says, you can trust me, notice the way Ryan answers her. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I know I can trust you. He doesn't. He doesn't trust her. That's why he's not telling her about this. So it's like, it's her fault. Her marriage is on this terrible, shaky ground where he can't confide in her what he's doing. So instead, he comes across as short and irritable and she doesn't know what she's done wrong. And it's like, you did this, Celine. You can't play the happy housewife now. You know, it's a little late to 
act like you're the supportive spouse and you're all understanding and stuff because you could have been that before when Ryan needed you to be that. And now he loves you, but he doesn't trust you and he's not going to include you in what. I, so, it's you know, that's where I am. Like, I kind of feel bad for her. But at the same time, like, I, I can't feel bad for her. I think one of the biggest problems I have with this whole thing is not just, you know, that she's torn between wanting to stay close to Ryan. It's the fact that she seems like she's actually believing the Chosen's teachings. She claims she's doing this to keep her baby safe. So what part in her mind, when offered, you know, to be more, to be further included into this cult, what part in her mind went, oh, it's a good good idea to tell them no. If you're that scared for your own life and your baby's life, why turn them down? Why say you're not ready? I, maybe it's her trying to hold on to as many anchors as she can. I mean, we know the only reason she hangs on to Ryan is for his protection, mm -hmm. his devotion, mm -hmm. not out of love or anything. She's not willing to give it up yet because there's the chosen are there, but it still feels precarious. So it's just her trying to have her cake and eat it too, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She wants mm -hmm. the security of the Chosen, but she's not quite ready to give up the security of Ryan, you know, but she's not really willing to commit to either of them. You know, if she was like, I choose Ryan, she'd give up the Chosen. But if she was like, I choose the Chosen, she'd give up Ryan. But she just wants mm -hmm. to straddle the fence and thinks there won't be any consequences to that. And again, it's just because they make her feel safe, not because of any like sense of love or devotion. Mm-hmm. I, I always wondered about it, though. I mean, for the first time in a long while with The Chosen, Celine seems more calm, more settled. It's like she needs the level of structure that they are giving her in roles she has. Well, because I mean, at least now, her life's predictable. Yeah, that's Celine. Like, when her life is stable, her foundation's mm. strong, yeah. oh, she's super confident, she's calm, she's good. Yeah. You put her on some shaky sand, she's a mess. Yeah, but at this point in time, the Chosen do offer her what she needs. So that's that's the one thing I'll say in her favor, <laughs> is that I get why she would, you know, stay with them. I just can't grasp the fact that she then turns down what's basically a sort of promotion from the ranks she's currently at. <laughs> because it would mean giving up one source of fuel, because that's what Ryan yeah. is. Like, you know, for the narcissist, everything is fuel. And she's not quite ready to do that. Mm -hmm. I did like his line to her when he, she tried to hand him the shirt. He was like, I'm a slave. I'm not going on a fashion for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Her expression, like, how do you forget this, Celine? Yeah. <laughs> you're acting like you guys are playing, you know, you're playing the 50s housewife. And it's like, how can you ignore the fact that you're imprisoned and your husband goes out on work parties in chains mm. pretty much every day? <laughs> and that he sh he's going to feel a way about that, Celine. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because she's not actually doing any work. She's supervising. Yeah. She's the lady of the house. You know, she has uh. staff beneath her. Whereas Ryan, well, he is the staff beneath her, technically. And if I were Ryan, I'd actually find that very annoying. It's like, okay, fine. I've accepted you're doing this for our child. I don't have to agree with it, but I get it. But it's her cluelessness. It's her deliberate. Mm -hmm. She's being deliberately obtuse about the state of mind that Ryan is in. Yep. And I would be really annoyed if she was trying to play like everything was normal. And I'd be mm -hmm. like, are you friggin' serious right now? Okay? No, it's not normal, Celine. <laughs> like, I, I don't care what I look like, Celine. Thank you so much for washing my clothes. That's so sweet of you. But um, 
Like I got the I got the black lungs, Lean. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you slumming it with me anyway? <laughs> and I'm sure some of that irritation comes from the fact that he can't trust his wife. He can't share with her what he's doing. You know, he believes in what he's doing. And he can't share that with her because he doesn't trust her. He doesn't trust that she won't run her mouth or turn him in or turn the others in, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's sad. And that would also add to putting you in quite the mood. Like I used to trust you implicitly. There's nothing I wouldn't have shared with you as long as I knew it wouldn't hurt you. And now I, I can't talk to you because I don't know where your mind is. I just know it's not with me and it's not with us. And I, I know you won't tell me the truth because you never do. Yeah. She's trying to hold on to the scraps of a marriage that she flushed on the toilet a long time ago. Girl. Before it even happened. Pretty much. I mean, she ruined this before she said I do. And it's just a shame because if she had been honest with him about the baby and Bray and all that jazz, like when he gave her that last chance, I think they might have had a chance to get through this chosen imprisonment together. Because if Ryan could count on trusting her, I think the dynamic would be much different between them. And when the whole baby dedication to Zoot crap came up, I don't think he would have despaired the way he did. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he would have trusted her, like trusted her to be able to keep her own mind. But he can't. She ruined that for him. And he won't wear the shirt I washed for him. <laughs> girl, <laughs> girl. Or did she have someone else wash it for her? Um. She wants Ryan to just be his his normal devoted self, you know, the same devoted self she never wanted and didn't appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Like when they have when he says he can see she seems upset. So he's trying to smooth things over because he's Ryan, of course. He's like, tell you what, well, I'll I'll wear it later. We'll have dinner. We'll try and make it fancy like our honeymoon. And she's like, you promise? And it's like, you didn't even like the honeymoon, Celine. But now you want him to go back to being that guy who would do those things for you. Yep. And it's, you know, it's really sick is that once again, like Celine will never until the show ends, she will never acknowledge what she did to this guy and that she's the reason their relationship went up in flames. Never. (laughs) She'll never acknowledge. There'll never be a moment where she's talking to someone and being like, even Bray had those moments. Or he was just like, I wasn't honest with Trudy or Celine or something like that. Like he's the self-aware mm-hmm. of his part and why things went bad. Never Celine. Never. <laughs> never once. Nope. One of my favorite May lines is uh talk, like Celine's talking about wanting to go find Ryan. And May's like, Yeah, she seems to forget how she treated him at the time. <laughs> There's this uh Kevin Hart joke that made this made me think of it. Kevin Hart was talking about his dad and how he always wore sweatpants with no pockets. And he's like, how little do you have to care about your life as a man to wear pants with no pockets, right? <laughs> so he was, he was going somewhere with his dad. And he was like, Dad, what, can you just put some pants on with some pockets? And his dad flipped out and goes, what I did for? She took everything! <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Ryan in the shirt reminded me of. Like, what do I need a clean shirt? I'm sorry. Don't apologize! It's... Excellent. Don't you realize? This means they hate me. And you're pleased? Of course. I want them to hate me so much, I can feel it. Hate is the mother of chaos. And through chaos comes power. There will always be people waiting to destroy us. And that's good. That way, chaos lies. And through chaos comes power. Power and chaos. Forever!
So yeah, let's try and dive into that. Um, what do you make of the Guardian's plans here and Luke's reaction to it all? I love it. I love it. It's so in line with how cults work, how cult leaders work, mm-hmm. you know, how they will raise the bar, change the directive, because it's like they're falling in love with their vision, with their power, what they've accomplished, which, you know, always speaks to that was all this was really about. You know, it was never something they truly believed in. It's they've fallen in love with them, you know, themselves. And I like this because it's finally confirmation. Now, it's been insinuated up till now, but this is finally confirmation that the Guardian is just changing the script whenever it suits him based on his own personal whims and what he's feeling and what he currently wants. So seeing Luke's reaction to like, that's not what I was taught. That's not Zoot's teachings and just throwing him off. And again, like you said, it's not what he signed up for. It's what not what a lot of Chosen signed up for. Um, I, ju- I really just liked that inclusion because that is textbook cult crap right there. <laughs> uh, it, it's, this scene just shows so much of... You can see it in Jaffa's eyes with just how mad he's actually getting because he's getting worse over time. And yeah, it, it shows us so much about who Luke is and what he assumed this would be and become. Hmm. And, you know, because we see this again later, someone signing up as a, basically as a general, following a certain path, and then finding out the person calling the shots changes the ideas or changes the plan, and it's not what they wanted. I wasn't going to mention it, but yeah, it's very Jay and Ram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's every time I see Jay and Ram, I'm reminded of Luke and the Guardian. Mm-hmm. When a dictator wants to get the populace on board with doing something that's pretty distasteful, they have to have a goal that the populace can get on board with so that the average person can justify some of the heinous acts that are going to happen to achieve this goal, right? And so, you know, I don't want to go too dark, but I was watching an interview of someone during Nazi Germany and they were being asked, like, how could you condone, you know, Jews being put in like the ghettos and things like that or sent to concentration camps and then be so shocked at what actually happened to these people? You went along with the persecution of them. And they were trying to explain that, you know, they weren't trying to excuse themselves, but they were trying to explain that their goal, the reason they had got on board is because they wrongfully believed that, you know, the Jews were ruining their lives and taking away their industry and their jobs and their business opportunities. And they felt that they needed to be put in their place, but the, they never agreed to killing anybody. And again, that's still terrible what they were okay with, but it does say something. Luke was okay with people dying so that the chosen could take over and save the heathens. It was a necessary evil as far as he was concerned. But hearing the goal changed, something he hadn't agreed to, suddenly it's like, can I justify the things I did? Because we attained our goal. We don't have to do that stuff anymore. But you just want to continue on this rage road of setting everything on fire? And yeah. why? Right. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> I need to believe that the people I, I let die, it was worth it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It was for the greater good. But, yeah, and and that's what this whole moment is about. Luke realizing that 
you know, the brave new world he set out to build, even though there would be sacrifices that needed to be made to get there, he assumed that this would just end with a decently functioning society, or at least some in a way that he felt was right. And it turns out it's not. And this is one of the first signs that we're getting where he realizes that this isn't what he signed up for. He's totally on board with burning the society, the current society to the ground so they could build something better. And here's Jaffa saying, oh, no, it's just a cycle of burning everything to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Luke is like, wait, what's the point of that? <laughs> How is it any different than what we were already doing? Where are my hospitals? Right. Teaching all these kids. I mean, sure, he wasn't after getting water supplies back back up and electricity for all, but it's not a far jump from that. <laughs> Jay's like, where are the hospitals and schools? You didn't tell me you just wanted to turn the world into a video game. Like, I could sign <laughs> yeah. up for that. <laughs> video game or burning the world? What's the difference? Ugh. I, I did feel really bad for Luke um, yeah. because we've got to spend a lot of time with him and see what is at his heart. You know, again, is it doesn't excuse the things he's condoned or played a part in, but he really did think. But it explains. Yeah, it. I was trying to make the world better, you know, and you're telling me no, and I'm I'm question I'm going to start questioning everything that I've participated in and what I am perpetuating. <sighs> I find it hard to feel sorry for him, but <laughs> I do get what you mean. No, fair enough. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you were quite happy to burn everything down when you were loco. And <laughs> I, I, I understand that he's, he had a different viewpoint kind of going into this, but yeah, no, I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> to, to be fair, when he was a loco, the whole world had just ended. Luke's point of view, Jaffa saved him from the meaning, link, meaningless mm -hmm. existence he was living where yeah. he was just burning everything to the ground. And he saw Jaffa as a light, a path forward to leave that all behind, you know? And, and, and maybe Jaffa found a way to justify it to people like Luke. With a, oh, yeah, but, oh, didn't you know? We, we were only do to, doing that because it was Zoot's vision for the future. We had to destroy to rebuild. That's probably what Jaffa told him. Not to mention, the Chosen didn't start burning. They didn't start with burning things to the ground. They started as a peaceful, creepy, you know, monkish cult. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the first piece Luke had found since the world yeah. had ended. You know, they were just doing their own thing while Jaffa's molding their minds and putting these ideas in their head that we're going to make the world better. We're going to save the world. And it was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe I was running the streets before, but now this is... You're reframing everything we were doing, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I, I do always wonder what was going on with this just before Zoot died, because the moment Zoot had gone, we have Jaffa splitting off, and we have Ebony having people chant priestess power. So what religious part was already going on there? I don't know, but we know it take, took Luke a while to leave Ebony mm -hmm. and the Locos, because even when the virus hit, he was still with them. Yeah. before he decided to take off and join the Chosen. So he didn't leave right away, you know, and it, it gave Jaffa a chance to create whatever he was creating before Jaffa, uh, before Luke eventually found his way to them. And who knows, he might have just been running from the city and the virus, you know. Yeah. Just a kid running scared, and here is Jaffa, 
a savior of peace. Answers a way to keep on living. And I mean, in the beginning, Jaffa claimed that by having faith in Zoot, you would be spared from the horrors of the new virus. Or it's possible that Luke might have felt some sort of some sort of guilt for the things yep. he did, being a thuggish kid. And here is Jaffa reframing all of Zoot's actions mm-hmm. as purposeful, being part of something bigger. Like what Zoot was doing was just the first step, and I'm here to carry out the rest of his plans. Mm-hmm. And Luke could tell himself, oh, okay, so we may have been creating chaos, but it's a part of a bigger plan that make the world better. And Burning to rebuild. Uh, I, I feel bad for Luke in this scene, I really do. Because you see him realize just how wrong he actually was in, you know, in his beliefs and in thinking that this was the way things were going to go. Well, he's not there yet, you know, no, because he's going to just try to rational. Yeah, it's just the first moment he's going to start questioning the Guardian. And because he immediately decides to start rationalizing the Guardian's actions after this mm-hmm. as things get crazy and keeps trying to find a way to, for it to make sense to him. Because if he doesn't make sense of the Guardian being a total hypocrite and a liar, then what does that say about him for falling for it? Mm-hmm. So he tries to rationalize it as long as he can before he finally admits, well, I was duped. <laughs> a lot of good people died and they didn't have to. And I mm-hmm. was, I, I did that, you know. Then he goes and runs off with the Guardian after all of this nonsense is over. It's like, you know what, Luke? Like, I, I just don't have any <laughs> words for you. <laughs> he is a lost soul. Yep. Like, you know what you're getting into at that point, And you're just like, I'm, you're still going to go follow him and believe in his at the end of the day i guess luke is he's a follower Mm. he's a follower Mm -hmm. luke needs a strong voice to follow you know despite all of his good qualities he cannot stand on his own two feet whatsoever he needs somebody to tell him he's smart somebody to help him utilize his skills somebody to pat him on the back you know he can't do any of this for himself really sad and pathetic really so I went in too hard. Big deal. Ebony's had it coming a long time. Now, let me ask you a question. What would Amber think if she saw what you did? <sighs> Meaning, Amber loves you. There's no question about that. But she'll stop when she sees how full of hate you are. You know this for a fact, do you? I know her. So yeah, panel. Let's skip Ebony's motivations, but let's talk about Pride's advice here. Um, yeah, what did you make of it? It's just... It's just pride being a nice guy, probably too nice for his own good, to be honest. I mean, think about it. He could sabotage Bray so easy if he just wants to, you know, get back with Amber. And he doesn't because he's thinking, well, Amber Amber wants Bray at the end of the day. As much as it hurts me, she wants this guy. And so I want her to be happy. So I'm going to give this guy the advice to be the right kind of man for her, you know, whatever. Or he could have just been pragmatic. He could have been thinking, Ebony might be right. We can't get very far if we're not talking and communicating and Bray's too busy hating Ebony. We're not going to get anything done. And I'm going to make sure we get some stuff done here so that when Amber gets back, we can do what we got to do. So it might have just been pragmatism. It's probably both, though. Just a little bit of both. Him wanting Bray to be the sort of man that is worthy of Amber. And, you know, at the same time, actually doing something useful and not killing Ebony during that. He just wants to go home. He's holding the fort for Amber, really. Mm-hmm. But he is against, you know, killing and 
badly harming innocents and as much bad things as Ebony has done to him, she's still technically that. Because she hasn't murdered anyone. She didn't try to take a life. She just mm. ruined a few. Uh, what? <laughs> she um, totally what? tried to take a life. Yeah. And she did. Yeah, job. Um. Yeah. There's no buts after that. <laughs> no, granted, maybe Fry doesn't know it that yeah. it's gone that far, but. Yeah, he doesn't know that. I mean, in his eyes, the worst thing she's done is. Um, you know, tell Pride that Amber was dead. I also think, like, Pride isn't making excuses for Ebony. Nope. Like, oh, she doesn't deserve what you're doing. He even tells her. Some would say you had it coming, Ebony. Like, he straight mm-hmm. up tells her, like, Bray has every right to be upset with you. So he's not defending her. It's, I do think it's more just, Bray, we can't get anything done if you can't work with her. Like, and I, I don't want to just stay here wasting my time in the city. If I have to stay here and help with this rebellion because it's what Amber wants to do, Let's actually get something done. And we can't if you and Ebony aren't working together. And he probably sees some value in Ebony, you know, at least in her pract- in a practical way. She's an extra pair of gorgeous hands. Gorgeous manicured hands. See, I, I don't mind the bit where obviously he recognizes that Ebony could be of use. Okay, that's fine. I don't mind if he sees that in her. I think it's the bit where he says, oh, your relationship with Amber has to work. You have to not have this hate for Ebony. Like, shut up, right? I, I, I don't like that. It, 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 like, Amber is incapable of hate and anger. Like, no. She is in his eyes. His like, worship of her is creepy. <laughs> like... It, no, like, rub, rub, yeah, rub me out the wrong way. Like, come on, Pride. Like, you know Amber can be angry and hateful. Like, don't try I, and... I, I mean, don't Pride, you're talking, you're talking about the woman who f- who agreed to fake her own debt because she was annoyed at her boyfriend. Now, I want to try to defend this, even though it's this is going to be weak. But, um, like, I don't like it because it's, again, the continuing narration, narrative that Amber's the be-all, end-all to everything. She's that the only too, person... Yeah who can end all this and she's perfection she's pure and perfect yeah I don't right know. and it's like no she's a freaking human pride you've seen her angry you've seen her pissed off like pride she hooked mm-hmm. up with you because she was so mad at her boyfriend over a lie you've seen how ridiculously petty this girl can get all right you were mm-hmm. a casualty of her pettiness pride mm-hmm. but i can accept that maybe this is just pride's unhealthy worship of her in the same way that Bray saw Danny as everything, and it was like, she's none of those things, Bray, but maybe, now, just maybe, this is Pride's coping mechanism. He has lost this goddess in his eyes. The light of his life. He has to believe that he's lost her, because her path, her true love just wasn't him. It's Bray. So, Bray, you have to be worthy of the goddess. Because it's the only way I can cope with losing the goddess. I can't lose her if it was just because of your abs. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be deeper than that, Bray. (laughs) I can only cope with losing her if it's because you are her true love, right? (laughs) Okay, I can see that. (laughs) You were destined to be. I need to believe that so I can deal with the Uh. fact that she didn't love me. You know, the moment you say that, all I'm thinking is, "Ah, I wonder how Pride and Danny would have gone along. Because the way Pride, his opinion of Bray just drops more and more and more as the season goes on. You can see he's just disappointed that this is the man that Amber prefers (laughs) to him. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
Amber is a loser! <laughs> you come on with all your spiritual garbage, but deep down you have the morals of an alley cat! Now tell me what you are doing with him! It seems you've already reached your own conclusion. You see those guards out there? I can have them do whatever I like to you, anything at all! You understand? So if I were you, I would talk. I'm waiting. If you have the Guardian's approval to use force on me, what's stopping you? There's an easier way than this. If you really want to know about me and the Guardian, go and ask him yourself. I'm sure he'd tell you everything. Yeah, panel, what do you make of Trudy's reaction to the news and Tyson's comments? Before I get into Trudy and Tyson, I just want to say that Laura Wilson is the MVP of this episode. I love her so much. She is something. Oh, she's hilarious. She's fabulous. I just wanted to say that. Oh, it's so bloody brilliant. No, I, I absolutely love that back and forth between her and Trudy. That was amazing. I loved it. Was so well done, <laughs> Laura. Well said. I love you. <laughs> okay, Ooh, Trudy. Woo, that's so much to unpack. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I I yeah. love Trudy in a state like this. I can't help it. It's at first. It's like Tyson. No, are you serious? Wait, he is serious. Oh crap, he's serious. <laughs> it's all those levels of of you know at first her disbelief and then. It registers in her mind that there could be only one thing Tyson is doing. <laughs> and it's a threat to her. <laughs> but uh, May just, May's little, oh, I'm sure you would never cheat on you, Supreme Mother. <laughs> it just nearly had me dying with laughter. Just, you know, just how mad Trudy got at the insinuation that she and the Guardian were a thing. And then later her mind going to, oh, wait, is that the way? It's it's just hilarious. And then her going to Tyson, that confrontation is just bloody brilliant because you can see Tyson just pulling all those little strings and poking her everywhere with just those tiny little comments. She just keeps poking Trudy, knowing very well how annoyed Trudy's going to get. Tyson gets immediately what is the problem. Mm-hmm. It's because Trudy was unaware of whatever. She, why would Trudy be mad if the Guardian said, I'm meeting with Tysan for whatever, right? Mm-hmm. She's already figured out that the Guardian and Trudy don't communicate well. Nope. They tend to do things behind each other's back. She recognizes right away. Trudy's pissed off because she doesn't know what is going on between us. And he hasn't informed her. So she's coming in here with all this authority. But it's like, if she had authority, she would just do something. She's trying to be intimidating. But Trudy... I'm not intimidated by you. I never have been. I don't care what position you're in. I thought she handled that masterfully. Mm-hmm. Just especially you come in here slut shaming me, girl. Get out of my face. I don't think so. Anyway, um, so Tyson, you're queen. I love you, Trudy. I'm trying to break down what must be going through Trudy's very broken head. Poor thing. Oh, oh, and I'm like, why would she be so threatened by the guardian? meeting with Tyson. Like, why would it matter? Even if, let's say, it's what she suspects, that Tyson's trying to seduce him or whatever, why would that matter to Trudy, who has no attraction to the Guardian, was creeped out by his 
weird attraction to her back in the cave. Why would it bother her so much? Now, I'm wondering, and this is a hot take, so I was trying to figure it out today. So, like, what's wrong with you, Trudy? You got this guy who's obsessed with her to the point of kidnapping her and her daughter. And again, just remember his behavior with her in the cave. Mm -hmm. It was unsettling. All right. The way he would try to touch her and the way she would recoil. He's been obsessed with her. Now, obviously, their relationship is totally abusive. But even in an abusive relationship, the abused party can still be jealous if their abuser turns their attention to anybody else. Because it's the one thing the abuse victim actually has. The one thing they can tell themselves. They may hurt me. They may do terrible things to me. But I'm important to them mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I'm special to them. That's all Trudy has in The Chosen. My daughter and I are important to them. I'm only important because of my daughter, but I have a place here. So I wonder if mm -hmm. that, I wonder if the guardian turning his attention to somebody else, becoming fascinated with somebody else, threatens the only safety she has in her crazy position with the chosen. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that's absolutely it. I mean, Tyson is a threat and Trudy instantly recognizes the fact that, you know, yes, he has some security right now, even though she still has to do what Jaffa says or else, but you know, she knows it's simply said it's dangerous for her, or at least not beneficial to her. If Tyson lures him in, seduces him, and he's all, oh, oh, Tyson is the new best thing ever, because there's no doubt in her mind he will instantly find a way to place her above Trudy. Yeah, I think it's her, her safety, her security, and Brady's, for that matter. Because Jaffa has told her before they don't really need her. They keep her around, but she could be reunited with Zoot and be disposed of, you know? I'm so not even the sure she's jumping to that far conclusion. No, I, I just don't think she feels a hundred percent secure in her position at this point in time. Especially with, you know, someone like Tysan coming in and instantly she knows how Tysan can get the attention of men and keep the attention of men. There's also a petty jealousy to it too. Mm -hmm. Is as horrible as this experience has been for Trudy, she has found ways to find i guess joy or contentment in the few benefits she gets as a supreme mother mm -hmm. being worshipped being waited on being important you know even if it's all just for show that's the one benefit she has in being yeah. the supreme mother and that itself is threatened by jaffa being fascinated by another woman who he he likely has never shown any interest in any women as far as Trudy has seen, he, I mean, she I wouldn't be school with him. Right. She I wouldn't be surprised school. if Trudy had first mistaken his fascination with her as attraction and then found out, Oh, he's not into me that way. So it, I don't have to worry about that. It's something weird. It's something nebulous. I can't really wrap my head around that. He's fascinated with me for. So like there was no, there was no threat that she would ever lose his creepy attention and fascination mm -hmm. with her. Until he's showing, well, I mean, she doesn't see it. She doesn't know he's clearly attracted to Tyson. She's making assumptions about Tyson that, again, are very slut shaming, and I don't like them. Uh, but <laughs> like based on Tyson's previous actions, yes, it's it's a uh, it's it seems like a petty jealousy of um, losing the one place where she is at least important 
it sucks. It's abusive. It's horrible. She wasn't there by choice, but at least she had that importance and power. And the idea that she could lose that because the guardian's looking at someone else who is way better than Trudy at wielding what advantages she has. I do think it's interesting that that's what she immediately assumes is going on with Tyson and the guardian. There are other reasons he could have been fascinated with Tyson, especially since she hasn't seen them together. Like this is news to her, but that's the first thing she assumes. She just assumes you're a whore. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, slow your roll. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. To be fair, Trudy was around when Tyson was, well, being her charming self um, in season one. Yeah, she slept with Lex. So, I just don't think yeah. that's enough to immediately brand somebody as a homewrecker or something, you know? And just the things she says to Tyson for me are completely uncalled for. And like, Trudy, you're coming off as very childish. You're acting like this is your husband, you know, and that, that, you're not even that, that interested is, in him that way. So that is the way she's acting. She's acting like a jealous wife who feels threatened. And so I'm there's no justification for the things she's saying to Tyson at all. Like, no, not cool. Not cool at all. Because even if there was something happening between Jaffa and Tyson, I think people keep forgetting Tyson wouldn't even be able to truly consent to it. She is a prisoner. The power imbalance. Now, she's making the best of his creepy attraction to her. But that doesn't mean that she's in a position where she could say no or consent to it. She's just trying to survive. And I'm tired of people victim shaming. I'm sick of it. At the end of the day, Faisan is technically in a similar position as Trudy because neither of them are there of their own free will. Oh, very true. I think that's what's really sad is that when you have people in these positions that instead of uh, seeing their fellow prisoners as comrades in arms, as people who are also victims or whatever, um, they turn against each other as a way, you know, self-preservation. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. This is self-preservation coming from Trudy. Yeah. Good scene though. You know, mm -hmm. Antonia is great in all her hysteria and uh, Michelle and her cool indifference. <laughs> It's good. It's good writing. It's great. Oh, those little smiles, Michelle. Has. It's so I'm, fitting. Well, I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see those guards out there? Tyson's like, yeah. And? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> God, I feel so bad for Trudy to, like, she's barely maintaining. You know what I mean? She's barely maintaining. And this shakes her up so much. That it basically breaks what's left, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, actually, we know what really breaks it comes later, but she's at the precipice of losing her mind. And I'm like, look what you did to her. Oh, poor Trudy. You've been avoiding me. Look, what do you want me to do? Be invisible? Jump up a tall building? Take your pick. Look, you can't go on behaving like this. Excuse me? Is this you complaining about my behavior, or did I just imagine that? Look, Bray, wait. I know you have every right to dislike me. Dislike? Okay. Hate. And I know what I did to you and Amber was wrong, but I hope the two of you will get over it. Hey, yeah, panel, what do you make of Ebony's apology and her subsequent actions? Oh, how bad is Ebony <laughs> feeling to Proposition Lex? Oh. <sighs> <sighs> And to be turned down and by Lex. Worst part. <laughs> I think that, that that's probably worse for her. 
I mean, it's already taking her so much to tell Bray she's sorry with that half-assed apology. But to, to then, you know, go to Lex with a, yeah, you know what? I need cheering up. Come cheer me up. And he's like, ah, Just, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and, and and it does make me wonder if he goes if for truly for cheering up for a distraction or because he knows it's the one thing that will probably still in some tiny way annoy Bray. Ebony needed a win today. That's yeah. what it was. She needed a win. And she thought Lex was an easy win. Easy win. And even he was like... And then he just says no. Nah, I'm getting my fill. I don't stray if I'm getting what I need. I'm fine. <laughs> like, that's Lex in a nutshell. If he's getting what he needs at home, he's fine. He's not looking at anybody else. It's only when he has to go a day or two. And he's like, ah. <laughs> Looks at whoever's... Whatever, whatever pretty face is near. He's like, get in here! <laughs> I, I almost felt bad for her. Because I was like, oh... <laughs> Oh, you, you already had to have been feeling so bad to go up to Lex and be like, you know, um... And then to be turned down by Lex all people. You would see the look on her face like, this has been a really bad week for me. <laughs> I'm losing, I've lost my mojo. She tried flirting with pride. She tried manipulating pride. That's not gone anywhere. Um, so, oh, why not go to Lex? That's a sure... Oh, wait. Uh, and away, Lex just goes, after he says, well, forget this ever, ever happened. Lex just going with, I think a rain check sound for Because, you know, she had her eye on pride. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, that could, he's, he's nice to look at, you know. But he's let her know, I don't trust you. I don't think very highly of you. She's like, all right, thanks. Thanks for that. Oh. <laughs> Bray, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just like, whatevs. So look, Lex, um, I, I, I'm, I'm running on empty. I need something to boost my self-esteem. And even Lex is like, sorry, no spare change. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ebony. He had this one coming. Oh, yeah. I don't feel bad for it at all. Nope. Whereas the fact that Lex has decided to, you know, get out his chosen outfit to try and sneak back into the mall, in the mall, it's... It's so very Lex because, you know, Bray has denied him the chance to just go in and attack them to get his wife out. So if nobody's going to help him get her out, he'd better get in. He needs those conjugal visits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Explain his uh, fluctuating mood swings. Like you can tell the night he was able to get in and see his wife and the nights he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> If he wasn't able to get in there, he's like, come on, we need a plan. <laughs> My wife is in there. And on the nights, he clearly was able to see her. He's just like all positive and chipper. What's up with you guys? What's wrong with everybody? <laughs> Sad day when Lex turns on a pretty face for sex. Mm-hmm. I would start rethinking all my life choices. <laughs> so you think Ebony would at this point. Right. <laughs> oh. This would be it. Okay, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I've hit rock bottom. <laughs> Need to replan, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because since we're on the subject, what do you make of Macho Bray destroying punching bags and? <laughs> They're not selling me on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> they tried so hard. <laughs> like if maybe once, like Le- he got actual physical in a fight when it was necessary, when it mattered, I'd buy that. Like, it, like that Bray can be this guy. <laughs> But it means nothing. 
<laughs> what, you've been hiding these skills? What the frick? I don't care. See, I, I'm just completely surprised that those bags didn't win from Ray. <laughs> I was sure they were going to knock him out. Hey, he's this been the, keeping this under wraps. He's... This is the only thing in life that's ever made you mad enough to throw a punch. <laughs> Whatever, Bray. Get out of here. Ridiculous. Because it's not like he's going to use these skills later on in a fight. <sighs> if only he would. Then I'd be like, ooh, cool. But season three, and I'm just like, I've seen him <laughs> fight once when it mattered. Once. And that was back in season one. He, you're not, he doesn't look tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. This, this whole scene with Bray just has me thinking, if I had a choice between Bray and Pride to defend me in a fight, I would never stick with Bray. I mean, yeah, to be fair, we've, yeah, we've seen Pride's skills already, and he's only been around a short time. So, I mean, yeah, that's an obvious choice. An obvious choice. <laughs> and that's sad, because he's just mm-hmm. come... He's only been around this like for 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Bray's had three seasons to show us what he can do. Like It's a little yeah. late now. Which, which is getting knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> Indecision and getting knocked out. Those are his skills. That's okay. Bray doesn't need to be a fighter. I'm fine with that. But stop mm. trying to convince me he is one when he doesn't fight when it matters. You know, like, no, stop. So you're not buying the kind of play that he's suddenly because Ebony's made him this mad that it's unleashed this <laughs> hate and energy inside of him. Maybe if he used it against the Chosen, but their last <laughs> Chosen skirmish, he was running from them. I didn't see him fighting anybody. Maybe Dal would have lived if you unleashed the rage then, Bray. Mm-hmm. He didn't get that mad when they took away Danny. Didn't Heck, get that mad when he- they took away your niece. <laughs> we get it. Amber's special. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I think Amber's the only thing that influences him to get a little bit physical. This offense is serious. Just for picking some leaflets off the ground? The Guardian won't believe that. And he's determined to make an example of someone. I didn't know that. It makes no difference. There can be no defense. He insists on a sacrifice. Uh, yeah, how did you react to Eddie's realization of the seriousness of a crime and Luke's decision to turn the other cheek? How dumb is she? How dumb are she and her sister that they didn't consider the consequences of this? I mean, I mean come on. This girl begged for Jack's life to be spared because he could be useful. She had to beg for that. Because mm-hmm. back then she realized, okay, they might actually go and kill him. And she never once considered that doing something like this, not even after Chloe was sent to the mines for spying. Yeah. How on earth? Sentenced Bray to death. Just because Bray survived yeah. doesn't mean, it doesn't change the fact that he sentenced him to death. You guys think Danny's dead at this point. And, and as they were told, you know, at some point he sentenced Bray to death. And the first thing he said when he came back, oh, your friend Del, he's also dead. You know, yeah. just because he's blonde doesn't mean she, she should get away with it. And she should think that he won't harm her. It makes her and Alice seem even dumber. <clears throat> like, their rebellion is already pretty stupid. But if they at least acknowledge, this is very risky for us, but we're willing to put ourselves online just like the kids we've sent into be mm-hmm. spies. Like, but the fact that it's like, you were willing to put Chloe and Patsy into the line of danger, but this is as far as you're going to go. And you don't think the consequences will be very bad. That makes it even worse Mm -hmm. because it's like, they're willing to risk other people, but they're only willing to risk themselves so much. She's like, oh, what? Well, I only get half rations, no rations. Like, oh, that's all you and your sister were willing to risk. Oh, you're going to send me to the mines? Like, 
Like that's a joke or something. Yeah. The shocked I mean, Pikachu face. That I was, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. How they don't realize the seriousness of this whole situation. It's just. It's I just love dumb. when Luke says, "You didn't think this through." Like, no, they didn't, Luke. They didn't. <laughs> They could have just used paint, markers, pens, anything. They didn't need to get a printer and all this crap. They could have been smuggling in food, not computer parts. Like, they didn't think any of it through, Luke. Not at all. Um, yeah, the, the, the kind of framing of this seems a bit... Like, because obviously last episode, the cliffhanger ended on Luke kind of seeing them, but we weren't quite sure if he did see them. But kind of, this appears like he hasn't, he didn't see anything of what was going on. Yeah, and apparently. It's only this that is, you know what I mean? It's, why did they do that, yeah. do you think? I don't know. I guess they just thought it was a cool cliffhanger. I think they showed him like that in Cliffhanger to point out to us that what these girls were doing is dangerous. So and they dangerous. could be caught at any moment. At any moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I agree with you. I think it was just for the cliffhanger's sake. Oh, What's going to happen now? Are they going to get do caught? Anything with it. They could have had no. Luke at least like playing with the decision. Like, what should he tell? Should he not tell? Should he like tell Ellie? Should he tell like the Guardians? Would he like uh, threaten them? Like, they could enough have, something. <laughs> they could have had like Luke suspecting they were up to something, and then mm. when he catches Ellie, it's They're confirmation. Confirmed. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. And he's been thinking about it. You know what I mean? But no, he's like, oh, oh, wow! I I can't believe it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> What did you think they were doing, Luke? Having a slumber party with Patsy? Uh, mm. <sighs> yeah, and, you know, her, her first response being, okay, can I at least get to say goodbye to my sister? And then she goes to throw up. Hey, that was a valid response. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, it, it I was, not. but I, I just love <laughs> the face he pulled with oh, you. I'll, I'll give Ellie credit. Like, she <laughs> took this like a champ. Mm-hmm. When she realizes, like, you know, yeah, she was playing around. It's fun to be a rebel. And then she finds out, holy crap, like, what? I guess I never learned my lesson. She still took it like a champ. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She didn't whine. She didn't beg. She was just like, can I say goodbye to my sister? I'm going to be sick. And I was like, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just like the look on Luke's face when that happened. Granted, she totally deserved to be caught. Ellie, mm-hmm. these are secret flyers. Why, one, would you turn your back completely to the field to post this thing up? One. Two, why is it taking you so long? <laughs> Three, Alice and Ryan, why aren't you watching her back? Like, what is this? What is wrong with you guys? You're so incompetent. And, 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 and come on. You see a look going after Ellie, Ryan, and you stop Alice from intervening. Take a distraction, you useless lemmings! Yeah, they could have done anything to distract him from just walking. (laughs) You could have just, I don't know, grabbed some mud and slung it at Luke. Come on. Tend to have a seizure! Anything! (laughs) KC would have thought of something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These morons are like, we'll just watch her get caught. Oh no! (laughs) We're not even going to make a loud noise! Shout anything! That's your sister! Give Ellie a chance to turn around and realize, and then she can take off. By the time Luke would turn around, she'd be gone. Yeah, Just she anything! <laughs> Give her a chance to run, at least, or something. <laughs> they did nothing. Alice did nothing. She just watched her sister get caught. Like, are you kidding me? And you see her take one step forward, and Ryan's stopping her with, No, no, Alice, don't. Ryan was able to stop her from trying to protect her sister. Mm-hmm. 
If yeah, you keep, come on, anybody trying to tell me this is still Alice? Come on, are mm-hmm. you serious? This girl blew through seventeen militia in a yep. mall, stormed mm-hmm. the mall all by herself, <laughs> kidnap Lex <laughs> just so she get the antidote. Okay, no, she's not going to just sit there and watch her sister get caught by the chosen. <laughs> she would attack him. She would go down first. Yeah. She would have gone I, down fighting. That's ridiculous. Yeah, mm-hmm. she, she honestly, she would have taken out Luke quickly. Because mm-hmm. the only thing Alice treasures more than her freedom, which, you know, that's what she wants. She wants freedom from the chosen. The only thing she's supposed to treasure more in this world than that is her sister. But <laughs> so, she, I guess Ellie is also a necessary <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> like, what are you even trying to accomplish at this point? <laughs> If all you want is your freedom, Alice, then just run from the field, okay? Maybe <laughs> that's all you care about. I, I do like Luke finally realizing, hey, yeah, no, I, I can't kill her for standing up to this. Not after what he's just witnessed with the Guardian. I do like that, that we have that scene with the Guardian where Luke is like, I'm like, say what? What did you say? <laughs> what, what's the new plan? And how that definitely feeds into how he handles this situation with Ellie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't come out of nowhere. We've seen that Luke has been very sensitive to these small rats and their struggle with either accepting the chosen or, you know, committing to the chosen. He was very sensitive to Celine and, uh, you know, he was very good with the kids, very gentle with Patsy and Chloe. So I do like that this doesn't feel like where the heck did this leniency come from? Because he's been this way the whole time. We've seen the way he is with Trudy. And so him letting Ellie get away with this. With just a stern warning, making sure she understands how serious it is, that he's not going to turn her in. I like it because it means it's more than just that he's attracted to her, mm-hmm. which I do appreciate. Like there's, he is trying to be a decent person. It, instead of the narrative just telling us that Luke did all this for the greater good, they're showing us that Luke is being a part of this for what he considers the greater good. You know, that decent people can do evil, horrible things. Yeah, I, I did always wonder, though, you know, before this moment, Luke always said, yes, sacrifices had to be made. But did he ever really get his own hands dirty? Possible he's never really had to yeah. have a hand in it. Exactly. Or gotten close I, to those sacrifices. For, yeah. So in this case, Ellie sees, you know, sees a real person that he knows that he's seen around so many times, sees an actual human being. Unlike, you know, random casualties of war and religion that he doesn't know. So that does, I think for Luke, that does make a difference. I wonder if, uh, you know, Chloe getting being taken away. He had gotten close to Chloe. He had been encouraging mm-hmm. to her and kind to her. And then it turned out she was a spy and got sent away. I wonder if that sits with him as well. She was just a little girl, yeah. you know, and... And, and he was involved in making that the Guardian saw the use of Jack. So, yeah, I, li- I like Luke in this scene. I liked that scene between him and Ellie. I thought it was a really good one. And uh, I remember at the time seeing it, I, I, I did not expect him to let her go. I was not sure which direction he was going to go on this. Was he going to make an example of her as he'd been ordered? Or was he going to continue down his saccharine Maybe kindness is better, you know, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was also nice. All right. That brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. What do you want? You should have told me that you are lonely. 
poor boy? Why settle for Tysan when you can have me? Uh, go ahead, panel. Oh. No, Trudy, no. Have you lost your mind, girl? Yes. Yes, she oh. has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's just... And they're changing her makeup. What it's is she horrible. thinking? See, see, she's just thinking, okay, so what does Tysan would have what I don't have? Okay, her willingness to probably sleep with him. Okay, well, I guess I can solve that. Okay, let's, let, let, me, let me frame this a different way. Is she doing this because she is scared of her position being compromised? Or is she doing this is because she is scared of the Guardian being sullied by this inferior interloper? I think it's the first. The first that's, part. That's my opinion. Um, mm. It's been drilled into her head that they are supposed to be pure like that. But if she's offering herself, she clearly doesn't believe in it uh, that much. Um, I do think it's the first. I, I think it's an act of desperation to protect what little power she might actually have, what little importance mm. she has with the Chosen. I wouldn't even be surprised if somewhere in her brain she's rationalized, maybe this is why he's so harsh with me. Mm -hmm. um, again, I, I think it's really hard to even get into the box of cats that are in Trudy's head right now. Um, Again, that's not her fault, but it's it's a mess. It's a mess up there. Um, I, I do think it's it's a desperation, and somehow she she's trying to make sense of what little information she even has. Again, she's got no confirmation of what's even going on between Tyson and the Guardian. A lot of it is just uh, you know speculation. I mean, this all started because she found out that he's you know Tyson gets brought to his room sometimes, and again, May only clarifies the one time. Tyson mm -hmm. was brought to his room. You know, for all she knows, Tyson was in trouble, but she immediately jumped to this. She immediately jumped to it must be sexual. Now it could help it could help that, you know, May May herself <laughs> thought maybe that's what it was. <laughs> you know, because you know, May's a street kid. So she's just like, maybe it's just getting his fun in, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's a huge leap. Yeah, but I mean, at first, May even said, he wouldn't cheat on you, Supreme Mother. <laughs> Big leap to make with no confirmation. I think it speaks way more to uh, her insecurities, her constant fear um, of her place in The Chosen. And if she loses any importance to Jaffa, where does that leave her? Mm -hmm. And um, the idea of him being attracted to another woman scares the crap out of her. It, it crumbles everything that she's tried She's made a like a house of sticks and mud, and it, it's very fragile. It's barely being held together, and this is like a rock through the window, you know. And I don't think you can really use a lot of logic to, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> work out some of Trudy's thoughts or decisions. Uh, some, you know, even because they always say in the beginning she was with the chosen and with Zoot until she suddenly didn't have that position with Zoot anymore because Emily slept her way in. And, you know, and she was afraid, and she ran. But, she, you know, she can't run now. So she needs all his attention to be on her. She doesn't need his attention to be divided by, well, someone she deems a simple slut. But, yeah, she knows Tyson has skills he doesn't when it comes to seducing men. And I think she's just figured, okay, 
if this is what he wants, let's let's just offer him this because you know if I am that divine being, I have status as you know suits woman in his eyes. Then surely he must want me. It's oh, it frustrates me so so much, and it's it's just clear and pure desperation. It's the 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 poor you poor boy line that I think that gets me. <laughs> Makes it even more <laughs> creepy. <laughs> uh. Trudy's Trudy sort of reminds me of uh, like a slave owner's wife, where the only reason she has a position in society as a woman is because she's not a slave. Like that's what elevates her again mm-hmm. above these other women, you know, and a reaction to, you know, her husband taking advantage of these slave women. It's never to be upset with him. It's to punish the slave women and try to be to the slave owner what he sees in these slave women. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's what Trudy's behavior strikes me as. She is beneath the guardian. She has very little pull, very little weight. She's trying to cling to whatever she has as much as possible. And she it's it's like the way she spoke about Tysan before she even heard about uh, her and the guardian meeting when um, May is talking about how happy she is to be there with Trudy and the baby. And why can't the other guy, everybody, all the other mall rats understand this. We could all be together. And, you know, in that moment, Trudy's talking about how she wants to embrace all of her mall rat friends and we could all be together. They're so stubborn, but I've tried. She's speaking as though she does care about them all. And she wants us all to be on the same page. But the minute May goes, so what's Tysan's role? Listen to the disdain in Trudy's voice. (laughs) Her role is to sweep the floors. Like already you can see that she does not see all the mall rats as equals she wants to bring into the fold. And even if she does, she still wants them below her because Mm -hmm. it protects her position. So to find out that someone she thinks of as so low might be being elevated because of whatever reason, because she Mm -hmm. got the guardian's attention, it set her off. It threatened everything she's got. The only thing she's holding on to to survive this. And yeah. These are not defenses for her actions. <laughs> this is cringy <laughs> AF, okay? Like, oh man, this is this is mm-hmm. Ebony getting like told no by Lex. This is sad. This is so sad. <laughs> At least Ebony getting told by Lex was just, you know, she needed a win. Trudy didn't even want a win. She just didn't want to lose. Yes, he's he's losing every little bit of self-respect she had left in this moment much and you know it's really messed up i love the way the scene is set up because the scene telegraphs how this is going to end before anything's even said Mm -hmm. when she walks in what is the guardian doing jaffa is meditating because he's emulating tyson it's very clear (laughs) who's on his mind (laughs) he's he's meditating while wearing the new outfit we saw Tyson was making for him. Yeah, like, when Trudy visited Tyson, she was making him this whole new outfit and wearing it. And he was thinking about that outfit mm-hmm. when she their last confrontation that he had with Tyson when she got under his skin and was making him think about things he didn't <laughs> want to think about. So it's it's just really great set design too. You already know, Trudy. This is not going to go well for you. Back out the door, please. I'm trying to save you. <laughs> I'm just surprised she didn't even shut the door. She just like walked in. 
she leaves the door open and proceeds to seduce the guardian. Oh, I feel so bad for Trudy, like her lack of seduction skills. Oh, you poor thing. Do this girl dirty so bad. Like they stop it. Antonia's gorgeous. Stop pretending she's not. The way they write her with men. They make her sound like she would be the last pick every time. And I'm like, stop it. These boys aren't blind. Come on. Oh, this is poor. Oh, man. It's like, it's secondhand embarrassment. And that's before you know how he's going to react. Mm-hmm. Like, Trudy, you're not even attracted to this guy. But she's in survival mode. And she has been for a really long time. So... I mean, so any anything to thrive to keep what little power she has, not even power, security, security. Yeah, because I'm sure like we've seen the difference between how Jaffa treated her in the beginning and how he treats her now. Mm -hmm. So that also would have to affect her sense of stability with little of it she has with the chosen in the beginning. You know, he revered her. We can't hurt you. And then we see her, he treats her like absolute garbage, you know, and Mm -hmm. that would also affect your sense of like well-being and am I safe and what, like you're, you're unreplaceable. I wouldn't be surprised if Trudy's already starting to think, not that he would make another Supreme Mother, just that I'm, this whole Supreme Mother thing isn't as important as he made it out to be. I'm a Supreme Mother because I popped out a baby, but he could Mm -hmm. easily find a way to diminish my role all the more because that's what he's been doing this entire time and beginning nothing could be done to me nothing bad could be said to me that's how he presented it as long as i played the part and what we've seen is that's just not the case (laughs) the moment they took control of them all any last bit of power she seemed to have or she had hoped to have was gone like, this guy's willing to use her as bait. Yep. You know? Like, dude, is that something he would have done in the beginning? Is that something she would have had to be worried about, being put in danger so he could catch rebels? No. I highly doubt it. But now he's willing to do it with no care of what could happen to her. Like, he doesn't care about her. She knows that. Mm. So her insecurity makes perfect sense. And if you're already, you know, kind of crazy, well... Yeah. It's enough to push you over the edge. Mm-hmm. What the frick do you want me to be? <laughs> She's jumped through all his hoops. Oh, man. Like, he... Oh, he just broke this girl. And now it's just her conclusion, okay? Okay, so that's what you think you need, okay? I can do that for you. I can be that. Desperate Hail Mary. <laughs> yep. If I can give you what you need, maybe I will not only secure my place... But you'll stop being such a honking dick to me all the time. Mm-hmm. The expression on his face is priceless. You don't need to know what he's going to say. Just the expression of, like, what? What are you doing here? Even the way he said that, like, I didn't ask for you. What are you doing here? Oh, goodness. All right, cool. That brings Series 3, Episode 14 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if I take part in a future episode of the podcast... Please just send us a message on our Facebook page or on the website, thetribe.co.uk. So we'll see you next time for episode 15. Until then, bye. Bye. Bye.